Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The cream of the crop. Final move. Realest guys in the room. How you doing? Do I have everybody's attention now? Once again, this is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty. Wrestling this week is perhaps one of our biggest weeks to date. We have a NXT TakeOver review. We have a brand new segment. We have great NXT and AEW shows. We have so much stardom to go over. And then we will preview the Elimination Chamber for this Sunday. There is a lot So get ready to take it all in as we have a good conversation right now. Let's kick it off with the NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day review. What we saw on Sunday night was an impressive showing by the entire NXT roster. This TakeOver felt like One of the old takeovers that people have been clamoring for for months now. Really, ever since they went to the USA Network, it has felt like NXT TakeOver, while they've all been good, they haven't felt like that old school takeover. The excitement was there. The matches were, at least on paper, going to deliver. And every single one of them did in their own way. One of them were so good that it's number three on my match of the year list. And the others, phenomenal. So, let's kick it off. We're going to go in order of how they went. And let's start with the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals. This would determine the first ever winner. And, you know, I, at the beginning of the tournament, I predicted that Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez would walk away as winners because they want to give Raquel Gonzalez as many accolades as possible before she ultimately wins the NXT Women's Championship. And Dakota Kai deserves something like this, in my opinion. She has worked very hard in her career, but in her WWE career as well, to get to this point. She's very popular amongst fans and, you know, it was good to give her an accolade for the first time because she's had chances at the NXT Women's Championship and they've mostly been all great matches, but she has not walked out as champion. So I did feel this was a good time to give it to them. But as the tournament went on and I realized the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship was on the line, I thought because of the Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler situation, they would go with Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon, who were the other team in the final. And let's go through this match. It was excellent. Uh, These two teams show great chemistry. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez is an absolute budding star. I remember when they really kicked into her push. I wasn't too sure 
if she was this big star they want her to be, but she only gets better and better every single outing. Her matches are pretty excellent, and, you know, she's she's a beast. She's awesome. Uh, Dakota Kai and her work very well together. I think that's important to add, but so did Shotzi and Ember Moon. They created a good-looking tag team in terms of having tag team moves, having back-and-forth encounters with each other. They created a good move set for themselves to feel like a real tag team. But in the end, it was Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez that walked out the first-ever winners. And as we saw in NXT this week, we will be getting those two versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler on March 3rd. So, I'm very excited for that, but this match was great. I gave it... uh, 3.75 3.75 stars on the five-star scale, of course. It was a great match. Great match. I would go out of your way to watch this entire pay-per-view. Next up, we had Johnny Gargano defending the NXT North American Championship against Kushida. Last week, I said I might be the only one beginning to like the way, and it, it rings through. And trust me, trust me, I'm not someone who is like a Gargano diehard. I love Gargano, Gargano's run or original run as a super baby face for NXT, but I also have gotten sick of him for the most part on the brand. However, giving him this group with Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, and Austin Theory has given him someone to build off of, and I think that is a good direction for him. I think it's working. That being said, I thought this night should have been Kushida's night. Kushida has been there for over a year at least. And this was his first championship match of any, any importance. And what these two did was put on a clinic. They put on a clinic. Back and forth, these two went. It was excellent. And honestly, it was a match that I expected to be good. And they they were on the money. It reminded me of a um, IWGP junior heavyweight type title fight. And there were times that you thought Kushida was going to walk out as the winner. Multiple times I was like, okay, this is the one. He did the flip off of the top rope with Gargano into the armbar, and I really thought they were going to give it to him. But they remained with Gargano, and it looks like we're heading towards Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano, which I will share my thoughts on that when we get to NXT. But this match was excellent. Four and a quarter for me. Next up, we had the men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals. The grizzled young veterans for the second year in a row make it to the finals, and they face the upstart team of MSK. Nash Carter, Wesley, these two are a phenomenal tag team. And the grizzled young veterans, as we have learned, are a phenomenal tag team, and they always have been. So this match had everything in the makings to be great. 
and they delivered once again. This is the third straight match that they delivered. And truthfully, truthfully, in my eyes, these three matches were the best matches of the night. It was the two main championship matches. While I liked them, they weren't necessarily up to the hype that these three were. MSK showed resilience. They showed a fight. They have one of the most creative tag team movesets I've ever seen. And what they were able to do with the Grizzled Young Veterans was put on an absolute show. They ultimately won in the end. And... I picked the Grizzled Young Veterans to win because I thought, ah, two years in a row, they'll they'll give them the win this time. But that was not the case. And perhaps the thought may be that you have MSK win and then win the titles and the Grizzled Young Veterans take it to take it from them quickly. This can be a real rivalry in the tag team division for NXT, something that they've been missing, in my opinion, for couple of years really uh the undisputed era did everything they could with that tag team division they had some great matches with the current tag team champions Oni Lorcan and Birch um they had great matches with the war raiders like that was the time that tag team wrestling NXT was great and it's been a few years because everyone's moved on except for the undisputed era and now now we have these two teams to really center it. They're not even the champions, and these two teams can be the top two. MSK is special, and giving them the win was a smart move here, especially with the heel champions, and I think you have to title them up. I think you keep strapping the rocket to them and believing in them because so far they have been nothing but great. The NXT Women's Championship was on the line as Io Shirai defended against Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez in a triple threat match. My question here is, what happened? So there was a spot in this match where table broke, the announced table broke, kind of just by Tony Storm clearing it off. Clearly they were going to use that. But I didn't think that necessarily messed up the situation. And there have been reports that their match did get cut short for reasons not explained. Which, I don't know. You're on your own network. I feel like you don't have to cut time in a match. They only got about 12 minutes. And for the 12 minutes this match was, it was pretty good. Um, Oh, by the way, MSK and um, Grizzled Young Veterans gave that a 4. Now... Io Shirai as champion has been, for the better part of the past year, the best champion in NXT. We're getting, I think we're going to get to that year-long reign because that's what she deserves, and then Raquel Gonzalez will probably beat her. But I was very happy to see her retain here, which she did. She hit another moonsault kind of out of nowhere as it looked like the other two were going to take it like it was back and forth between Mercedes and Tony, but EO was able to preserve her reign a little bit longer. Now, the thing about EO's reign has been she has been a very dominant champion. Uh, she's up, she's only behind Shayna Baszler in Asuka, 
in terms of dominance as a champion. She's right behind them. So my question is, is there any way she can outdo them? It It's really if she keeps the title past Raquel, which I don't see happening. But Io Shirai has been the champion at the top in the strongest NXT women's division ever. So that says a lot about how good she's been, how good her challenges have been, how good her matches have been. This was not necessarily what I hoped it to be, but it was still very good. Three and a quarter stars for me. And finally, the main event of the evening, Finn Balor defends the NXT Championship against Pete Dunne. Now, when Finn Balor returned to NXT at the end of 2019, I was happy about it, but I also didn't know where this was going to go. And for me, a lot of his matches on the WWE main roster, Raw SmackDown, they were pretty average at best. I wasn't really thrilled with them. He kind of showed he doesn't do many moves to me, and that became bothersome because most of it was just stomp after stomp, stomps, 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 um, the DDT he does. It was very weird, and they got rid of the 1916 when he was on the main roster, so it really limited him. Now, since he's been back in NXT, he's been pretty good, but since he came back, no, no, no. Since the first match with Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly, Finn has been on a tear as champion. He's had great matches. He's had great promos. He's had great feuds. Like, this is the Finn Balor that we all loved once upon a time in NXT. Now, his time is probably coming to an end as champion, but it did not come to end on this night. Him and Pete Dunne had a grueling match. Uh, I believe his match with Kyle, uh, I'd say even both of them were better. But this was a good match. Uh, I gave it three and a half stars. Not the strongest match on the night, but a very good match nonetheless. And it was what happened after the match that really left people talking. Oni Larkin, Danny Burch run down. They start beating down on Finn Balor after the match. Pete Dunne, you know, he's doing most of the dirty work. That's when the Undisputed Era music hits. They finally show up on this takeover. It feel it felt so weird that they weren't on it. Um, they fight them off. Finn, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole are standing strong in the middle of the ring after Kyle O'Reilly helps Finn Balor up. And this is when Adam Cole flips. Adam Cole hits a super kick on Finn Balor, pretty much saying he's coming for that title. And Kyle O'Reilly's, you know, reasonably upset with him because... They have a grown respect for each other, um, O'Reilly and Finn. They've become somewhat friendly with each other, and this was just another time they saved him. And that's when Finn Balor snapped. Uh, not Finn Balor. That's when Adam Cole snapped. Adam Cole drops Kyle O'Reilly in the middle of the ring with a super kick, ultimately starting the end of the Undisputed Era as we know it. The Undisputed Era that has reigned on top of NXT for so long. The Undisputed Era that had the gold rush. They had the prophecy that was to wear all gold. They did that. They were on NXT, on top of NXT for four years. They were the guys. Every single pay-per-view 
felt like it had the Undisputed Era all over it. You either had two matches, three matches, or the main event had the Undisputed Era in it. They main evented, I believe, every War Games pay-per-view so far. And one would guess that's now over. And they were NXT. Adam Cole established himself as the greatest male superstar in the history of NXT. And the Undisputed Era established themselves as the greatest group in the history of NXT. The greatest tag team in the great in the history of NXT. This is what they did. They created a all-time image, an all-time stable in the what people like to call developmental brand of WWE. Now, NXT is not a developmental brand anymore, but some people would say when Adam Cole joined and when the Undisputed Era came to be, they were still considered that. And what they did was put put NXT on their backs and led them through a massive period of growth where they, once they stepped in, I would say NXT was debatably its most popular ever. Adam Cole is a Grand Slam champion. Adam Cole is best in the heel role. And that's where we're going. Clearly, clearly we are going towards Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. And this was the end of the TakeOver review, but we're going to jump right into NXT right now. Kyle O'Reilly kicks off NXT wanting to hear Adam Cole and what he did because he just didn't understand why he would pass up all that friendship for that. He didn't he didn't get it. He wanted answers and he th- told him if you come out here I'm probably going to punch you in the face. Instead, Roderick Strong walked out. He tried to calm him down. He said Adam Cole just he something flipped. It wasn't his fault. We're all good. He was trying to keep the era together, but clearly this was not the direction they were going. And we got made and a Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong versus Pete Dunn, Danny Burch, and what's the other one? Oni Lorcan in the main event of that night. So I think this was a good move and let's get to the end of the show. I will go back and talk everything else that happened on NXT after. But what went down on the show to me was perfect. It was a perfect continuation of the story. So in the main event, you know, these teams are going back and forth. Good tag team action. That's when Finn Balor takes out the ref accidentally. Takes out the ref. The ref is out. He hits the. He goes for the stomp. Adam Cole shows up. Pushes him off of the turn, uh, the top rope, dumps him down. That you know that ultimately becomes tough for him. Then he stares at Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly glimpses at him for a second before he hits him with a pump kick. Then drops Kyle O'Reilly straight down on his head on the steel steps with a brainbuster. O'Reilly was down and out for the rest of the match. Um, they even stretchered him away after the show. I know that caused a big ruckus um, in for fans on Twitter and everything, but Kyle O'Reilly is okay. And Adam Cole then went into the ring after Pete Dunne pinned him in the middle of the ring. Pete Dunne pinned Finn Balor thanks to the 
helped by Adam Cole. So expect another match probably before between them. But Adam Cole holds that NXT championship in his hand, takes a look at it, and makes it very clear that is what he's going for. He's going for the title that he, he helped make so special. He is the longest reigning champion of all time. It's only right we get a takeover match between these two down the road. But that's not where we're going right now. Where we are going, ladies and gentlemen, is Finn Balor. Not Finn Balor. Fuck. Is Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. This is the feud. This is the next Gargano Champa extravaganza. This is going to be the blood feud that goes on and goes on. And these two have a long history outside of WWE. They were tag team partners as Future Shock. Adam Cole turned on him there. They fought over the Ring of Honor World Championship. There is a lot of history here. And what they're going to be able to do in NXT is tell that history on their biggest stage yet. I'm very excited for this feud. And here's my thought on the Undisputed Era's breakup as a whole. This was the right move. Because I never thought that WWE, unfortunately, was going to be able to bring them all up together as a group. There was always going to be that possibility they break up. So I think this is the way to go for now. Because down the road, in two, two, three years, you can put them back together as the Undisputed Era on WWE television if wanted. But the two stars of this group are Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. And they were never going to be able to coexist long enough as single stars. So this was the move to do. Now I'm wondering how they have success on the main roster. Adam Cole should be set for life if they know what's right for them. Because he can talk his ass off and he can wrestle. Kyle O'Reilly should be able to do the same. But we will see. Right now, what it's about is this match, this feud. I'm very excited to see what these two do. And I expect their match to go down at the next takeover, whenever that is. If not, you could put it on the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania. That's how great this feud could be. Or you can do Adam Cole versus Finn Balor on the grandest stage of them all. Because there is not a bigger two that represent NXT than those two, in my opinion, right now in the men's division. So let's get into the rest of the NXT thoughts from this week. Kind of jumping around here, but this is how we're doing it. Loomis, Loomis and Gargano. That is clearly the next program we are going for the North American Championship. It's not really up my alley. I think this is a good feud as long as Gargano's retaining. I would have a Bronson Reed defeat Gargano, if not Kushida. And that's that's just me personally. Now... People like Dexter Loomis. That's cool. He's he's likable. I I he's likable. I guess um, he has a cool character, but to me, his matches just you know they don't they don't fit the NXT build. I guess, but I just I don't know. I don't see him as championship material, Loomis. I really don't. I see him as a good hand to the NXT brand, and eventually he'll probably do very well on the main roster, if I had to guess. But no, I don't see him holding that NXT North American Championship. I think Gargano just should continue the run if Kushida's not going to win it right now. And you know, you have a Bronson Reed possibly beat him, not Loomis. That that's where I'm at right now, not. 
and the wave going strong. So I don't see them ruining that just yet. Uh, and clearly this Loomis feuds the next month or two. So I still think that won't be enough for the way to really lose their edge. And I'm thinking, you know, Bronson Reed possibly at the next takeover. They have Loomis do the match on TV because we don't know when the next takeover is. So this story could probably not last that long. Um, Isaiah Swerve Scott. This is a guy I've talked about a few times on this show uh, on this week's episode of NXT. He faced off with Leon Ruff. And he was very adamant that he didn't understand why he didn't get the chances that Leon Ruff did for the North American Championship. And I think Isaiah Swerve Scott is one of the best performers they have in NXT, in WWE. He can talk, he can perform, he is very good at what he does. So his potential is as high as almost anyone in my eyes. He's, he's got the build. I don't understand why they put him on 205 Live. I don't look at him and think he's a cruiserweight. He's a good size, especially for what NXT is. And I think Swerve... I, I understand we're going with the heel Swerve, which makes sense because he's supposed to be this cocky guy. I mean, Swerve's in his name. I don't know. Gives me that, like, heel persona type thing. So I'm fine with that. But it's a matter to me of giving him the right stuff. He lost to Leon Ruff here, then beat him down. So clearly this isn't done. But I need to start seeing Swerve get some wins. That's that's me. I think he has earned wins. I think he deserves wins. And I think that's where we should be going moving forward. Seeing Shayna Baszler back in NXT felt right. We got to see Asuka back in NXT last year. And that was pretty great. Now, seeing Shayna Baszler, someone who dominated almost as much as Asuka, she was a, the first ever two-time NXT Women's Champion. Is she the only? Yeah, I think she's the only. Nope, Charlotte Flair as well. She, Shayna did everything in her power to create this incredible heel persona of just brutalizing everyone's favorite. And I always thought she perfectly embodied what Triple H needed at the time. And ultimately, when it came to that big win for Rhea Ripley, she was the perfect one to take that fall as they built up Rhea. It was nice to see her back in NXT, and this will not be the last time we see her in NXT. As I said earlier, she will return with Nia Jax on the March 3rd episode, where I expect we have brand new tag team champions. Uh, next week, we will get our Karrion Cross versus Santos Escobar match. They ended up postponing it a week, which I find interesting because... I guess once the Adam Cole thing happened, they did. They felt they didn't need that as their push. Like, if people were going to watch, the push was going to be from the Adam Cole turn interest. So that makes plenty of sense to me. But I am looking forward to that match and how they draw that up. L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight is officially signed with WWE and has debuted. If you don't know who L.A. Knight is... You probably do by his real name. Eli Drake is in NXT. He debuted on the NXT TakeOver pre-show where he got in the face of 
Wade Barrett and Brandon Walker of Barstool Sports. He told the world that he's joining NXT and NXT will be his. He's going under the name LA Knight. Don't know how to feel about that one yet. We will see. But I don't know. I am interested to see where this goes. He's kind of in the Loomis spot for me. Uh, He's going to be a good add to the group, uh, to the brand, but I don't, I don't necessarily see him as a champion right now. Now, Drake is, or Knight is 38 years old. So this could be a very short stop in NXT before heading up to the main roster. If that's how they see him. I don't know. He cuts good promos. He's no slouch in the ring. He's a former Impact World Champion, for God's sake. So, I'm interested to see where this goes. That's all I could say about it. But, another big addition to the NXT roster. So, that is a lot of NXT. That just took up the first half an hour of our conversation. So, we will move on. From NXT, why don't we talk AEW? We had the AEW women's bracket on um, J- Japanese side take place this past Monday night on YouTube. It was an hour long show, very good. Um, and, you know, stars were made, matches were won. There is a lot of good stuff going on with this. And unfortunately, I feel AEW is letting down these women. Like, to introduce them, I understand, like, there's been a fight of them being on TV, them not being on TV. But here's the thing next week, we are getting Jake Hager versus Brandon fucking Cutler on Dynamite. No one wants to watch that match. No one. I. If. <sighs> I could probably count on one hand how many people actually want to see that match. I'm not saying anything bad about either men. Man, even though they're both not very good. It's just not a match that people have to be interested in. This is a dark match on Dynamite. Why couldn't you put the women's tournament? And worst off, they're finishing the women's tournament on YouTube this coming Monday. I don't I don't get it. I just don't get it. But you know what? Let's talk the women's bracket, the Japan side. Then we'll get into the um, USA side that went down on Wednesday night. So, the first match of the entire Japan side was Yuka Sakazaki versus Mei Saruga. This was excellent. Good way to kick it off. I always thought Yuka was going to win this. Uh, Yuka, as we know, has appeared in... WWE in the past. Uh, not WWE. Oh, I feel like JR. Um, AEW in the past. So I really did think this was one of the sure bets in the first round. And Yuka walked out. Very good match. Um, you know, May is young, but May has a bright future ahead of her as well. We saw Venny take on Emi Sakura. This was my favorite match of the first round so far. On either side, um, I thought Venny looked like an absolute star. They just, everything they did was fantastic. Um, 
Emmy, you know, Emmy has long wanted to return to AEW. Um, you know, travel just has reasons why we can't do this all the time. But she wants to redeem herself. You know, the fans did not treat Emmy very well in her first time around. I was at one of her first shows, um, the second Dynamite ever, and she was not appreciated like she should be. And she won this match against Venny. This gave you everything you'd want. Great suspense. Near falls. It it was great. And the only thing I ask is can we get Venny in AEW more? Because they are an absolute star. Absolute freaking star. And, and they wore Hanakamura's kimono. So that was emotional. It was lovely, but it was emotional. Speaking of which, I have an announcement to end the show, just to let you know. We had Ryo Muzanami face off with the cutest in the world, Maki Ito. Yeah, this one had a lot of people talking because Maki Ito is a walking star, ladies and gentlemen. She sang her way to the ring. She stole the hearts of so many people on Twitter, so much so that people were asking that she just gets signed out of her contract with Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. I do question if people know how contracts work. That's pretty much like asking Drew McIntyre to just leave WWE right now and go to AEW. Like, that's not how contracts work. She has a contract with Tokyo Joshi Pro. Now, if they create a partnership, she can come over and, you know, do both when the time comes. But right now, travel restrictions, the way the world is, that's not going to happen. But Maki Ito is a star. And that was very clear in this match. She had a very good showing. Now, Rio ended up winning. And as I've heard from many people, mostly Alex, that she is probably the favorite to win because she's very open to coming over to the United States and competing. So it would make the most sense that she walks out as a winner. And finally, the main event of the night had the legend, Aja Kong, face off with Rin. I just, my mind just completely forgot her last name. Rin for Marvelous. Rin, oh my gosh. Okay, either way, this was my second favorite match, believe it or not. Um, Aja Kong is masterful in that ring. Not very shocking because of the legend she is. But even, even all these years later, she continues to be great. And Rin put up a great fight. She put up a great fight, but... Aja Kong was not to be messed with. The huge elbow drop from the top rope ultimately ended it for Rin. Aja Kong will face Ryo Muzanami in the next round. Emi Sakura will face Yuka Sakazaki in the next round. So one of those four will go on to the finals What at what I have to think is Revolution to face the winner of the U U.S. side. And speaking of the U.S. side, we had Serena Deeb, the NWA Women's Champion, face off with Riho for the spot in next in the next round. Um, they will face Thunder Rosa. The winner will face Thunder Rosa. So you have the possible NWA Women's Championship rematch 
or you have a awesome first time ever, at least an AEW match between Riho and Thunder Rosa. Riho, this was her return. This was the first time, and I believe they said 48 weeks that she was on AEW television. And believe it or not, she didn't miss a step. You know why? Because she was wrestling that entire time, people. I feel like that is one thing that was somewhat skipped over. Uh, Excalibur did his best to explain to everyone that she was wrestling in stardom as well as um, Choco Pro, Gato Move. Like she was, she kept busy even when she wasn't on AEW television. And it was clear here this was one of the best matches of the tournament. Serena Deeb and Rio put on a very good match. One of AEW's best women's matches, probably, especially on their television um, on Dynamite. Wasn't shocked with the winner here. Rio was able to get Deeb's shoulders down long enough. For the three count. And the champion, the only champion in the tournament, or not the only champion in the tournament, only, the only champion on the United States side of the tournament is out. Out. Already out. Which, you know, to me, that's kind of a big deal. And if Riho doesn't win this tournament, they easily have Serena Deeb versus Riho at Revolution. They can do the rematch. Rematch. The rematch, if they want to. And I think that is a great idea. If they do have Britt Baker go on to win this tournament, like many believe, then you can do that match and Sheeta versus Britt Baker at Revolution. You can have two women's matches on the same pay-per-view card, AEW. What an idea. Now, if Sheeta's not on the match and they ultimately do the finals on there, you can still... Do it. You can still do Riho versus Serena Deeb for the NWA Women's Championship, and you can do the finals. Either way, two women's matches on Revolution. What an idea. What an idea. So that's all we have for the AEW Women's Bracket so far. It's been a very, very, very good tournament so far, and uh, Britt Baker will face Anna Jay on Monday, and Nyla Rose will face Tay Conchi as well. So, first round's finishing up on Monday. We will be sure to talk about that next week. But, let's continue on with AEW. They kicked off the show with uh, Adam Hangman Page and Matt Hardy teaming up against TH2. Ultimately, Matt Hardy and Hangman Page won. And that's when Hangman Page revealed to Matt Hardy that they have a match at Revolution. A big money match. There's money on the line. I didn't really care what the money was I believe if Hangman loses something bad happens I don't know it's a weird match they're just trying to keep Hangman out but the good part is when Matt Hardy had um, Isaiah Cassidy and TH2 attack yes he ended up saying like I'll pay you $37,000 to attack Hangman the Dark Order Came to save Hangman Page. We are getting this, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, Negative One, a.k.a. Brody Lee Jr., has his own mask now. It's great. He led the charge as he put. He told them all to come down to the ring. And this is a great story we are telling here. Because Dark Order and Hangman Page, as I've said in recent weeks, is getting me on their side. Like, that is a 
relationship I am ready to see. Um, because I don't know, you're you're trying you're trying to keep Hangman Page out of the main event picture right now, clearly, because you just have other stories to tell with Kenny Omega before you tell that story again. And I think this is a great way to do it. I originally thought it was a waste, but I I am willing to admit when I'm wrong. And this is one of those times that I was very wrong. Now, my question is, do they go all in with it? Because clearly, Negative One is the new leader of the Dark Order. No one will tell me differently. But how do they do this? Will they have Hangman just team with them? Now, if they ever introduce these trios titles that they have been rumored for months, it would be a great way to have them work together, Hangman and Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Now, that would be a good entry into the tournament. They could get to the finals before losing to Death Triangle because Death Triangle should be the first champions, and I will not accept anyone else as the champion. Sorry, sorry. That's on me. But, I don't know. I just, I think this is going very well. And I'm enjoying it. And that's that. Now, Proud and Powerful had a good promo talking about how they've been there for 18 months, yet this was their first championship opportunity. And unfortunately, they ended up losing on a roll-up. And it wasn't great. I I just mean I've been complaining for how many weeks about Santana Ortiz getting treated right, and it just doesn't seem like we're getting that still. They're just playing second fiddle to MJF and Jericho. We had no Sammy Gravara on this episode, even though Jericho seems to be catching on with the fact that MJF is kind of the reason why. And I think that's smart. I think it's smart to start showing those slow cracks before the tag team title match at Revolution, where I do think MJF does crack on Jericho. Finally, the inner circle does crack, and that's when Sammy Guevara should return. Brian Cage powerbomb Sting. Holy shit, that scared me. Uh, I didn't know how we were going to do this Sting stuff, but I guess he's good to go because that powerbomb was wow. Yeah, I guess he's good to go. Good for Sting. Because that rattled my cage. Um, No pun intended. (laughs) Rattled my cage. All right, moving on. The tag title match, again, it was pretty good. Uh, Not what these two teams can really do. Because, again, it was on TV and they just had a terrible ending and the inner circle was involved. You're just going to break off... Proud and powerful from Inner Circle. Please, please, please. Now to the main event. John Moxley teams with Phoenix, who had a great mask on the show. And Lance Archer to face off with Eddie Kingston, the Butcher, and the Blade. Fun match. Fun match, as you can imagine, once again, they're really doing well with these tag team matches to end shows. Uh, Phoenix, again, just wow. Lance Archer, awesome monster right now. Absolute awesome monster. And, you know, that's a big credit to him for what he's doing. Now, after the after the match, Gals and Anderson come in to do the beatdown. 
Kenny's staring at him. And we learn that their match at Revolution will be, and I quote, an exploding barbed wire death match. I hate it. I don't know if you remember their non-sanctioned match from Full Gear um, in 2019 like I do, but that sucked. Now, I am not someone to automatically assume something will suck. Maybe these two just have a great match. But to me, Kenny Omega doesn't really fit into the deathmatch world. And that's not a knock on him. Most people shouldn't. Joey Janela makes his career off deathmatch type matches. I'm not a fan of Joey Janela, but good for him. This isn't Kenny Omega's ballpark. He was very adamant about that. And truthfully, we're just going to see the Good Brothers interfere because Kenny Omega is not losing the title in this match. I, I'm far less excited for their main event match now. And I don't know. I... I've only seen like one good exploding deathmatch type thing, and it was in stardom once upon a time. Like, I don't know how to feel about this match. I, I'm not looking forward to it necessarily, but I guess I will hold out optimism. Yeah, I will hold out optimism for whatever can be. Uh, before we get to stardom... Let's talk a few news-worthy things this week, which both have to all have to do with WWE. It was revealed via Fightful Select, um, Sean Ross Sapp reports, that something I believe that would happen, and I got the exact name right, is happening. NXT Evolve, a second NXT show clearly to show the other talents that they have signed. There's a reason that their signing spree they went on is a signing spree. They are setting up for another NXT show, which will be exclusive to Peacock when that time comes. And truthfully, I think this is a great move. This will be their developmental for their NXT show. Because NXT, again, hasn't been developmental for a while. This will give a chance for the likes of a Tyler Rust to get shine. A for a while there, Bronson Reed. I mean, he's good now, but for a while he needed something like this. Um, they they re debuted or debuted Lacey Ryan, Zoe Stark. She'll be good on here. There is a lot of good things about this NXT Evolve show that I'm happy about. It will give these young stars a chance to shine, it will go back to the developmental route, and I do look forward to how they do it. NXT Evolve, um, it will be run by. Former Evolve showrunner Gabe Sapolsky and Jeremy Borash. And, you know, it should be good. It it should be good. They're making a new title belt. And it makes sense. I always thought Evolve was really the developmental before they bought it out. And now that really takes place here. It will be probably an hour-long show every week, if I had to guess. And it will probably be very entertaining. They have a lot of good signed talents they have so many talents coming in, and you know, once in a while, you can have a 
Adam Cole show up on it or someone like that. But this has to be focused on the new stars that you're trying to get to learn television. This shouldn't be like a Raw Smackdown thing. This should really be like NXT once was to Raw Smackdown. But I am looking forward to this. Um, It was also reported this week that Taya Valkyrie has signed with WWE. I feel like this was something we all imagined would happen because... Well, Johnny Drip Drip. John Morrison, her husband, has been signed to WWE for the past year. And it only seemed right that Taya Valkyrie would join. Now, it sounds like she will be going to NXT first. But down the line, this is how you get John Morrison into the main event in my mind. This is how you have Taya Valkyrie in the main event of the women's division. These two work very well together. As we've seen in Impact, as we've seen in Lucha Underground, they work very well together, and they should work together when the time comes. I'm very happy about this. Hopefully this means good things for John Morrison. Hopefully this means good things for Taya Valkyrie. Very happy for them. I really hope they don't change her name, by the way. And finally, the final news piece of the week is that Walter, as of this recording, will officially break the record for most days held, the longest title reign in the history of the NXT United Kingdom Championship will be smashed. Pete Dunne held it for 685 days. Well, Walter's going to go past 700. And what they have done with this UK Championship, they've only had three champions. It's been around since 2016, 2017. So that's, you know, that's a credit to them. They built up that belt. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with NXT UK not really being a thing for a while. So Walter didn't have to defend it much. But Pete Dunne didn't really defend it much either. And I always thought Walter was going to break this record because I, there's really no one to have beat Walter right now. Um, Walter is a deserving person for this. Walter is not, you know, coming to the main roster that's not happening. He's been very adamant about that. He's not moving to the United States. Now, he might come over and join NXT for a couple weeks or here and there, but he is not He's not part of this big plan. Um, if travel is a thing, I think Walter would be featured on NXT more often, but that's just not possible. So, good for Walter. I would have him break the record. I'd have him keep the record once it happens, and... Once he gets defeated, you have to make a star with that win. So I do look forward to seeing how they do that down the road. And he's also had very good matches in this reign. So credit to him. All right. Let's get to stardom. Holy bleep. We've had a very long episode to this point. We are at 15 minutes. We're just getting to stardom. Then we're going to do the new segment. Then we're going to do Elimination Chamber preview. And then we have our announcement. Big week. Alright. Stardom. I watched a lot of wrestling this past week. A lot. Since the moment I stopped recording, it was pretty much wrestle, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And truthfully, that is not a bad thing. It was actually a great week. It, you know, learned a lot, watched a lot, and enjoyed a lot. Now, Stardom, of course, 
gave me my favorite, everything. I'm not really shocked on that because they do tend to give me a lot of my entertainment in wrestling nowadays. So let's talk the Unagi Sayaka series. Uh, She has this best of seven type series where she faces the elite of stardom to prove herself. Um, I don't remember if I talked about Julia versus Unagi last week, but I think I did. And I, you know, discussed how Julia is hitting on all cylinders right now. And Unagi is really good at being the underdog. She's very good at that. And in the two most recent matches, she faced off with Azumi, which was a great, great encounter again. These have been really good. Uh, again, Unagi's really good at getting beat up, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but, like, she's good to make you feel bad for her. Um, she sells it very well, and most of the time she's actually getting hit pretty damn hard, so it makes sense why she's good at selling it because it definitely really hurts. Uh, yeah, so her match with Azumi was very good. Azumi, you know, she took about 10, near 10 minutes to finish her off, it was, uh, probably, this isn't saying much, it was my least favorite of the three so far, but it was excellent, and, you know, Unagi is showing that she belongs, then we had Unagi versus Mayu Iwatani, and I talked to Alex about this, he was, he just, he said how this could be the perfect precursor to the one and only heel run, of Mayu Iwatani because she was an absolute boss in this match. She gave zero shits. She didn't. She said before the match she didn't even care about this match. She was going to do her best to make it quick, and she brutalized Unagi. Now Unagi got a little offense in, but this this was Mayu's show. Um, the closing of this match was perfection. Um, Mayu hits a tombstone, which clearly had Unagi done, absolutely gone. And as the rest starts to count, she pulls Unagi up, puts her in a uh, full Nelson suplex, and just drops her right on her head for the one, two, three. Mayu had fun with this, and if they ever, before Mayu decides to retire, want to go with her as a heel, or in a heel way, She's going to flourish. Now, they did it with Io. What, who's saying you can't do it with Mayu? Mayu is in a spot where, you know, changing it up wouldn't be awful. I mean, she doesn't need to because she's the best wrestler in the world and everyone loves her. But it would be cool to see one time, even if it was for, like, a year before she had one more baby face run to end her career. Like, that. that's how I would draw it up. But this this was great. We have new Goddesses of Stardom Tag Team Champions as Micah and Hamika defeated Bia Priestley and Konami for the titles. This match ended up being a lot better than I expected it to. And I think it's because they gave Micah and Konami the key chunk of it uh, before the eventual end. Uh, Those two are very good. Those two are two of my favorites. And, you know, Hamika and B did finish it off pretty well. I will give them credit on that. Um, Ultimately, it was a small package pin that won the match. And it was somewhat shocking. But, 
you know, Micah and Hamika are good choices to be tag team champions and be tag team champions for a good, reasonable couple of months, I think, before my dream tag team of Siri and Momo beat them. Yeah, that's that's wishful thinking by me. Uh, but yeah, new tag champs. And now let us talk about Siri's reign as SWA champion. It's been fantastic. She is making that title feel special. Every match she has, whether it be with Momo Watanabe, her uh, you know her two matches that she had with them, which were great, or the most recent one with Azumi, which was absolutely phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Azumi is so good. I picked her to be the MVP of Stardom this year for a reason because she is that good and she only gets better now. Little did I know that the person she's facing in this match against Siri, neck and neck for MVP right now in stardom. She has been fantastic in this new year. Absolutely fantastic. And this match gave you everything you'd want. You gave you near falls. It gave you, oh my God, Azumi might win this. Before Siri ultimately, you know, walked out as winner. I think... It's a credit to her and what she's doing with that title. She's making it feel important. And that's, you know, that's a credit to her. It's a credit to her. Now, we're going to talk the All-Star Dream Cinderella card where she will make her next defense in a match that I am even more excited about. But before that, but before that, we have our new segment of the week. It would be cool if I had like an alarm here. It was like, but yeah, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm just going to make this sound and you're going to like it because it sounded hilarious. Uh, we have the huge pay-per-view. This is their, it, it feels like their, Wrestlemania, their Wrestle Kingdom, you know, their major show of the year. This is what the show is. And they have packed it to the gills. But again, this is the match of the week segment. And right now, this match of the week is currently sitting at the top of my match of the year list. Julia versus Starlight Kid for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. I went into this match you know, a lot of buzz on Twitter about it. And as a Julia fan, I was ho- I was excited for it anyways because I think she's hitting on every single cylinder you could ask for out of your top champion or a top champion. Sorry, Tommy. I didn't mean that, but kind of did. Uh, the way she is delivering is exactly the way she should be. Her matches are all-out brawls. Her matches are wars. Her matches are her being this OG badass video game boss who gives zero shit. And soon enough, that boss is going to be defeated. But right now, I am enjoying what she is doing. And she's at the top of her game. And Starlight Kid... The resilient Starlight Kid 
had the match of her career in the biggest match of her career. She went in there not afraid, no fear, against someone who didn't respect her. You could tell from the beginning. Julia was telling Starlight Kid to smash her with forearms and, you know, essentially no selling them. But as the match went on, you could tell Starlight Kid was getting in Julia's head. Julia was, you know, on... She she didn't know what to do at times. And it, it came down to her ripping at Starlight Kid's mask. She had to go to these dirty tactics because Starlight Kid was getting in her head and bettering her. That's a credit to Starlight Kid here. And that's a credit to Julia for going back and forth with her so well. This match is currently my match of the year for a reason. It is number one. Four and a half stars. And, you know, before we get to the biggest show of the year for stardom, I will say I do expect my match of the year list to change. But this match was not only my match of the week. This is a new segment, as I said. We will announce the match of the week every single week. This was my match of the week. It is currently my match of the year. It is excellent. I want everyone to go see it. Julia Julia just survives. In this one. And I think that's what makes it so perfect. So definitely go check that out. And finally. We have the official card. For. Badokin. I probably didn't say that right. But you know. Oh well. All Star Dream. Cinderella. The biggest. Possible pay-per-view star I might have ever had. It is. A major show. Kicking off the night will be Azumi versus Natsupoi. This match is one of the most one of the matches I'm most excited for. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to preview this. I'm not going to say who's winning, but this is the card and this is great. And the second uh, prologue fight of the night, these are both free, I believe, uh, and they'll be free on the YouTube channel. Mika and Hamika defend against Natsu- Natsuka Tora and Saki Kashima. Like, these are two great matches to give away for free to lead in to a pay-per-view that somehow has that much better matches. The All-Star Rumble will go down. Um, We have a few current stars mixed with the likes of Yoko Bito and Hiromi Maimura, among others. Emi Sakura's in it. uh, Rin's in it. Like, I'm not going to read them all. But it's a fun show. We have the official card. The second match on the pay-per-view will be the the first of two stardom 10th anniversary matches as Momo Watanabe faces off with Nane Takahashi in an absolute thriller. I can only imagine how good that will be. We have an SWA world title matches. Siri defends against Konami. I am very excited for that one. We have the big match, the second match of two 10th anniversary matches as Mayu Iwatani, the ace of stardom, faces off with Yoshiko. This match, for many, is the match of the night. Everyone is excited for that, as they should be. That is the big brawl. That is the war that we are waiting for. And the World of Stardom Championship will be defended in the semi-main event as Utami Hayashishita defends against her queen, Quest sister in crime, her Aphrodite teammate, Saya Kamatani. And in the main event, 
the match I thought should main event this show if it wasn't Mayu and Yoshiko. The hair versus hair match for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Not only will the winner walk out with the Wonder of Stardom Championship, the loser will walk out without their hair. This is everything Julia defends against Tam Nakano. I will be previewing this next week, but what a card. I don't think we can be any more excited for a show. I know I can't be. I can not wait. I'm looking forward to every part of this. And all I can ask is that as many people watch it as possible because they deserve to be watched. Now, I have the preview Elimination Chamber. After getting absolutely hyped about stardom, I have to now preview Elimination Chamber. I need to work on a better set here. Um... But, you know, it's this Sunday. I doubt this is the full match card because there's only four matches on the card, but we will see. Uh, I'll also go over a few SmackDown Raw thoughts here. I didn't really feel like diving into the normal shows. Um, Raw Women's Championship, Asuka defends against Lacey Evans. This isn't happening. We learned this week that Lacey Evans is indeed... She is really pregnant, even if she said it on TV and it sounded like Ric Flair was, you know, her the dad. Like, this isn't true. Her and her real-life husband are expecting their second child. Congratulations to Lacey Evans. I don't know what they're going to do with Asuka. Um, this clearly leads to um, Lacey Evans and Charlotte Flair not having that WrestleMania match I so feared. So thank the fucking Lord. And hopefully... Hopefully, Asuka can defend at WrestleMania. But we will see. The United States Championship is on the line. Oh, um, I didn't pick anyone for a winner because I have no idea what they're doing. The United States Championship is on the line. This might be my most anticipated match. Besides maybe the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. Um, Bobby Lashley defends against Keith Lee and Riddle. There is a chance Keith Lee is injured to the point that he will not be able to compete in this match. I'm really hoping that's not the case because I'm pretty sure Keith Lee is walking out as champion as long as he's healthy. I do hope he's healthy because this match could be very good. Um, if Keith Lee is in it, I'm picking Keith Lee to win. If Keith Lee's not in it and they do a straight-up singles match, Bobby Lashley's walking out and still United States champion. The WWE champion Drew McIntyre will defend his championship inside the Elimination Chamber against Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, the number six entry Sheamus, who won the opportunity in a gauntlet match this past Monday on Raw, and the new entry, former WWE champion Kofi Kingston. This match did get better with the removal of Miz, Kofi Kingston. Miz cut a really good promo. He's like, you want to play poker? All right, we'll play poker. I'm taking myself out of the Elimination Chamber because he has the money in the bank. He's going to keep himself healthy. And if we don't get the cash in after this Chamber match, I don't know what the hell we're doing with this briefcase. Uh, I'm picking Drew McIntyre to retain, by the way. 
That is my choice. I don't I don't know. They could always give Sheamus the title and have Drew win it back at Mania. That's a real possibility, but I do think Drew McIntyre walks out and still WWE champion. And then we have the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. The winner of this will go on to face Roman Reigns that same night in a singles match for the Universal title. I believe it's that same night. Um, which is kind of bullshit, but, you know, this chamber match is probably going to be very good. We have Cesaro. Cesaro, who's on an absolute tear. Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, and Sami Zayn. If you take King Corbin out of this match, what a match. If you leave King Corbin in this match, what a match. Let's... Let's all be serious here. He's not going to make this elimination chamber a bad elimination chamber. This is going to be an excellent match. And I am picking Kevin Owens to walk out as the winner. I just, I don't see them not giving him the win. But it'll be cool to see Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens exchange again for the first time in a long time. Um, If they had Cesaro win, they would have another possible Kofi Mania on their hands, which is... Risky for them because that's probably not their uh, choice to give Cesaro the shine he deserves. So, yeah, I'm taking Kevin Owens to win and then immediately get squished pretty much right after the match against Roman Reigns. So that's the Elimination Chamber preview. We only had those matches on the card. Three of them are officially happening. One of them is definitely not. So that's that. You can watch SmackDown, you know, tomorrow night. We'll probably learn some more. I won't be previewing those. I'm sorry. I will be back, of course, next week. But but before we wrap up the show, I have one major announcement for the podcast. In a very and I announced it on Twitter, but if you don't follow me on Twitter and you only listen to me here, whether it be on my feed or the Dragon Suplex feed via CK Near Falls. I have announced, and I am announcing now, that on May 23rd, the one-year anniversary of Hanukkah's death, we will have a special episode tributed to her. I want to bring as many people together to honor and celebrate the life of Hanukkah Mora. To me, there isn't anyone that deserves it more. This, you know, as many people talking about her, showing the love for her, this, to me, there is not enough we can do to remember her legacy forever. So this is my entry into the hat. The entire episode will be talking about Hanukkah's career what Hannah meant to certain people, I am having as many possible people on this podcast. If you are listening to this podcast right now and you want to be a part of it, please let me know. You can reach me on my Twitter at Scotty Wrestling. I don't bite, I promise. You can email me at s.edwardsjr18 at gmail.com. You can reach me in any way, shape, or form. Please, please do because I want as many people a part of this special show. This special show isn't going to be to me for views. I don't care. I want as many people to hear it because I want people to hear the stories 
and the love that Hanukkah brought other people. That's what I want out of this. And I want to share those stories as much as possible. I will share my story on what she means to me. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope this podcast goes as long as possible because I want as many people to share their thoughts on her incredible career, her incredible life, and the incredible human being that she is. So with that said, this was the Wrestling Edwards with Podcast. With Podcast. Wrestling with Edwards Podcast. Episode 24. I hope you all sit back, relax, enjoy this show. Join me for the special May 23rd episode. Join me next week for another episode where we preview the All-Star Dream Cinderella bracket. We review Elimination Chamber and do this all over again. So until then, have a safe week, everybody. Have a good one, and I will talk to you again next time. また美学でしょう夢見